Hey, 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 Debbie Adams here, and you're listening to Under the Hood. And today I'm here with Dave, Dave Carroll of United Breaks Guitar fame. Hey, Dave. Debbie Adams, it's a pleasure to be on your show. Yay, yay. I'm fairly new to this, so we're kind of like informal on my podcast. And um, I find keeping it real, really easy for me. I want to ask you something. For somebody like me, I'm 55, I don't mind telling people, and I'm late to the game of entrepreneurship and speaking and all of that stuff. I was a forced entrepreneur. My, my listeners will know that already. I got into this stuff because of life circumstances, but what I'm figuring out is this is where I'm supposed to be. One of my challenges, my biggest challenges in whether it's the speaking industry or the training, and I have a little income tax business, is I have not been very good at asking for help. Has that ever been a challenge for somebody like you? Oh, wise one. <laughs> well, that's, yeah, I'm not the wise one, but I, I have had a lot of experience, 30 years as a singer-songwriter, indie artist, and uh, Don and I, as Sons of Maxwell, have had to work all over the world trying to make our way, uh, sometimes with one hand tied behind our back as indie artists, and uh, I found it as a small business owner, nobody works harder than you, so it's hard to find people, and you often don't have the resources to pay people what they're worth, so you have to be creative, and you have to think outside the box, and that's um, been a challenge, but I think the greatest strength going, going forward. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm always amazed. Um, now, that I, now that I've gotten kind of used to asking people stuff, two things. First of all, I've learned the value that I bring something valuable to the table, whereas before I thought I wasn't bringing anything that I could kind of swap and keep all of that even, you know? Yeah. So valuing what I bring. But I'm always amazed by the generosity of people like yourself who, who are willing to give what I think is like just a tremendous amount of support to people. And, well, as far as the United Breaks Guitars story goes, that changed my life, and it's been sort of the focus of every, every, all my business activities for the last 10 years, and that was based solely on the kindness of my friends and everybody coming together. I didn't make any money. I only had $150 for that first video, and everybody came together to make it what it was. And uh, so I was, I was able to ask help from my friends, and they were able to give it knowing that I wasn't taking advantage of them. So when you're, if you're asking for help, but uh, people understand it's for the right reasons and they're buying into you, mm -hmm. then uh, it's easier, I guess. Mm -hmm. And if you're asking for help when you can't afford to pay or you can't afford to give back in some way and you're not, then you won't get that support a second time. Yeah, interesting. Have you ever been to Newfoundland? I have. Where? Uh, well, St. John's, and I've been on the West Coast a little bit, uh, Corner Brook, and yeah, not a whole lot, though. Did you play in St. John's? I did, yeah. Uh, we played it. Bridie Malloy's pub once on uh, on George Street. Okay. But I found that I mean, there's so much good entertainment in Newfoundland that they don't often don't import it in, into the bar scene there. And uh, but I, I sure like it a lot. The yeah, band yeah. Celtic Connection, if you know that band. Yeah. Uh, I, I wrote know. a song called Sixteen for a while. That's a hit in Newfoundland, but no one knows it's <laughs> it's my song. They they think it's a Celtic Connection song. No way. Yep. You always know where the Newfoundlanders are in the crowd when we play that because they're singing along, and then we sing it a little differently, and they'll come up and say. Jesus, by uh, you're not doing that Celtic connection sound right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you fucked that one up. Uh, that's funny. Adam and I had this conversation uh, last week in that I joined the military when I was 17, and until I was left when I was almost 30, I was like full immersion into the military, coming from rural Newfoundland, and never had a lot of exposure to the music industry or, or pop culture. Mm -hmm. Like when I left the military at 30, I had to like play catch up. And Adam, who was like, 
closely aligned with the music industry will often mention stuff and I won't have a fucking clue what he's talking about because <laughs> I've never seen that or you know heard of it so I don't know a lot of this stuff that these references okay but I do love your music yeah, just saying you. yeah well music's been I think everybody should play music and be involved in it whether it's professionally or not it just it, it's the best way to break up a day and mm. get you centered on what you're going to do next I find uh, so when it comes to the speaking thing do you think is it just a compliment to your music or is this where you're supposed to be? It's definitely where uh, I'm supposed to be, I think. I discovered the, the speaking thing completely by accident. I had no intentions of being a speaker and no experience doing it, but I got asked very early on to go do a, a speech in Colorado Springs to 700 of the biggest brands in the world, never having given a speech at all. And, yeah. and I went there and uh, it was in 10 days. And so I'd, I had to they said, can you send uh, your PowerPoint slides? Because I lied outright and said, I, I, uh, I'd be happy to do this. And they said, you do this all the time, right? And I said, of course I do. But I ended up uh, saying I'll need some time to customize the presentation for the slides, which meant create them from scratch through <laughs> my father-in-law, Brent, who I'd never used PowerPoint. So it was, a, it was this crazy experience. And I found myself on stage uh, the night before my presentation, about to speak to 700 of these biggest brands in the world the next morning. and. Uh, it was, it was totally nerve-wracking because Brent came in with the USB stick and uh, handed it to me. I'd never seen my slideshow yet, and I handed it to the guy who hired me. He put it on, and I wasn't just looking at the slides, glancing down. I was fully engaged, bent over, and I'm impressed <laughs> with a smile on my face. Like, look at this. This is awesome. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and so we... You told on yourself. No, well, and, and by, with my actions, yeah, but I, I had to stay up for most of the night. I was really uh, anxious about it because uh, I felt like a fraud. Yeah. And I told myself, I'm here to tell my story, and I'm the only one in the world that can tell my story. Don't try and be Tony Robbins in the next six hours. It's not my style anyway. Yeah. And so I went up and I just told it from the heart as it happened, and that was the best thing I could have done. Yeah, so here's the piece I want to focus in on in that sentence is you felt like fraud anyway, and that's something that women often feel. I mean... We claim that space right now. Yeah. Now it's like badge of honor. I'm a fraud, but I'm pushing through it kind of thing. It's nice to hear that men feel that because you don't often look like you. Yeah, but you, you know what? The, like the women's movement has, has women coming up and they're emerging and they're admitting all this. I feel like a fraud coming forward. But they don't hold the mortgage on that. Uh, guys have felt the same way too. And, and we've maybe become better at disguising it. But everybody who's getting up in front of somebody else to be a thought leader or an expert in something... Nobody is the perennial expert, and the people that really do know the most are probably the most self-conscious because they know they don't. They only know the, the tip of the iceberg of anything. Right. So it's the people that are super confident that you probably want to avoid, mm. right? So the um, I applaud women for coming forward, but I think in in the process, some of the in, that's getting lost in the conversation is that men have the same issues. Yeah, and last week in one of our podcasts, we talked about. Um, uh, you know challenging gender stereotypes I guess I come from a background where women were certainly socialized to be looking after what was inside of the four walls at home and men went out and made a living and I'm, I've kind of debunked some of that in my, even when I go back to my rural roots now I get a little bit of flack for it sometimes one of the things I said last week was that um, as we educate women and, and give us the tools for empowerment and all that stuff, let's not forget that we were all raised in the same fairy tale story. So the same one that said I should wait for my knight in shining armor told you you must be a knight in shining armor, whether you, you know whether yeah. most days you feel like that or not. Yeah. Take it away, Dave Carroll. 
Well, just just yesterday, uh, I was watching YouTube. I saw, I don't even know who she was, but she was a firefighter that was a professional speaker, and she her focus was on empowering women to educate girls that boys and girls are socialized differently. Boys are told, you can do this, and girls, girls are told, don't do it, you'll hurt yourself. So her message in the speech was, uh, if, if your daughter's climbing up the ladder, don't say, get off there, you're going to hurt yourself. Encourage her to go another rung. Mm -hmm. And I, I like the message, but I think what she and, and so many other women speakers are missing the point on is there's another half of the audience in the world that would take the same message if you didn't tailor it just for women. Just women should say, can give the same story, put a woman in the story, and say, my child, who's a daughter, I encourage her to go the extra step. And I, as a father and a father of sons, could take the same lesson, but it's distracting to say this is a message just for women. Because ironically, yesterday, I was cleaning the eaves off my, my gutter, and my son was going up the ladder, and he didn't want to go. He was afraid halfway up, and I encouraged him to go a little, little higher, and I would have done the same for my daughter. But he's going through the same things that the speaker was alluding to that boys just don't have. They just naturally go up the ladder, and they don't. Mm -hmm. said, Everybody mm -hmm. needs encouragement. So the, my message can apply to you and every woman in the world. That's the way I tailor it, and yours should be directed to men as well, I think. Mm -hmm. I think women have always had a big advantage. They've just not been able to leverage it in the same overt way as men have. Men, by um, just by very, uh, the virtue of being men, have been able to step into those powerful positions. Women have had to be more strategic about it. Yeah. But I kid you not, we've had power. It just wasn't of the oh, yeah. overt variety, right? Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, we can't leave anybody behind. I, I'm all over that. I'm a mechanic by trade. I, I worked in the military for 11 years, and you know, I was always fighting not the external discrimination, but the internal um, wanting to step back and let a man do it when he showed up. So I was more than capable of doing, you know, hooking up a, a disabled tank to a three-ton tow truck. And when a man came along, I stepped back. He didn't tell me to. People would often say, you know, he comes and he takes over. He doesn't take over. It's assertiveness, right, that, that it, but it wasn't men act even, like a big dog sometimes and without putting you down. It wasn't even that. No, it was internal. It yeah. was, oh, he's here now. I don't need to do it. I only do it. And, and my uh, family uh, are all in construction, so they all were, they were all migratory workers. When I was growing up, my father was always in Labrador or Ontario or somewhere else. My mother was home, you know, keeping the home fires burning, doing everything. I, I watched my mother not, not just replace the light bulb, but plaster a hole in the wall that one of the kids, you know, put, screw the, the door back on the dryer or mm. whatever needed to be done. But when my father came home, all of a sudden that wasn't her domain anymore. So mm. some, of the, some of what we're feeling, some of, the re, some of what we might call resistance in society is actually internal. It yeah. isn't there. We're just projecting that and saying, someone is making us do it. I agree 100% in that even whether it's men or women, there's always somebody who's more assertive in a, in a group and there's a lot of people with a lot of great ideas. So everybody that's assertive in the group should start monitoring how they're interacting because somebody else may have something positive to say and somebody should be directing and saying let's spread it around who's got something else, put some people into some positions of authority and, and give them the role, right? But, uh, but. Uh, in my talk I just gave, I talked about compassion and this idea of seeing yourself in others. I have no issue seeing myself in you. If you tell me you're a helicopter mechanic or 
just you, you telling me that? I buy into it. I believe and I assume you know what you're doing. And if I had a helicopter, I would expect you to fix it and I wouldn't think twice about it. And I don't approach anybody that way. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a growing number of people that don't either. Mm -hmm. I think uh, women are in a great position right now because they've got uh, a momentum swing going. But there's a, there's a growing number of men that aren't questioning. Like, it'll be great when we get to the point where people don't even um, want to have that conversation anymore. Mm -hmm. It's just, put your message for all of us, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, I like that. So I went to university when I was 40. I graduated when I was 45, 10 years ago this week. Um, I come from a group of people who didn't think they belonged in that place. Mm. But one of the things I learned at university was that a lot of these uh, people who were like second generation university, whose mothers had been to university, which was totally foreign in the blue collar world, they were they seemed to me to have a level of empowerment that I had never even seen in women. And I think we have to be careful when we're talking about men's issues or women's issues and understand the different social strata and that somebody can be totally dis disenfranchised and white and poor in the mm. same way that our Aboriginal black people are, for example. And it, or we don't want to pit people against each other. That's what I'm yeah. trying to say. We're all different. Yeah. It burns me a little bit when people talk about uh, uh, white entitlement and that sort of thing when I took a tour of the men's shelter here in Halifax and it's got 80 beds in two rooms and everybody there is a white guy pretty much. Not because only white guys can go there but that's just the way it goes. There are plenty of white people that are disenfranchised and the, until recently they had no budget at all for meals. They would get one snack a day but the woman's shelter had I think something in the neighborhood of uh, one staff for eight residents and there's 24 and they have basically two staff for 80 men. And if that was reversed, that would never be okay. So society found out 80 women were sleeping in two rooms under those conditions, there'd be a revolt. But somehow we're embarrassed for the white guys because they should have had a different lot in life or they have only themselves to blame in some way, easily forgotten. Right. And uh, uh, there are people that have it hard and we should just help everybody maybe, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Dave Carroll is complex. I don't know about that. I have a complex, maybe. I'll go with that. <laughs> anyway, we're going to wrap now, and uh, that was all very interesting, but I think you should sing us out a cappella. Uh, with what? Give me a tune. Oh, my heavens, I, I can't do that. Give Love, me a tune. exciting and new, come aboard. Debbie Adams is expecting you. Woohoo! <laughs> Who's your daddy? <laughs> <laughs>